The I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast with John Taylor and Shan Carr. Welcome to episode 44 of the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. I'm John Taylor and I am joined virtually by comedian, producer, community activist, and part-time mermaid, a virtual comedic tour de force whose propeller boobs red dress outfit may someday go on permanent display at the Palm Springs Air Museum, Shankar! Woohoo! I'm happy to live up to that. We also have marketing executive, creator, and president of the GayDesertGuide.com, a dedicated doggy daddy, classic car aficionado, and all-around go-to guy for getting things done, Brad Fur. Good morning. And he's the Charles Foster Kane of the Coachella Valley, Rosebud, a man whose publishing empire stretches from La Quinta to Rancho Mirage, 29 palms to Palm Springs, and who's now taken the coloring book market by storm with his coloring the Coachella Valley coloring book available at cbindependent.com, editor, publisher, journalist, coming to you from his palatial unfinished estate, Xanadu, welcome Jimmy Bogle. Good morning, everybody. You are so dating yourself with those, man. I know. I didn't even get it. It's a classic. It's called Citizen Kane. Rent it. She's a Harley-riding four-dog-owning single lesbian doctor you could bring home to your mother. A doctor? She may have an effect on your heart rate in a good way. Welcome, Dr. Laura Rush. Yay. Yay. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) All right, so we start these off with Dr. Laura Rush because she's got to get on to some very you know, serious work of keeping people healthy in the Coachella Valley with Kaiser Permanente and her great team over there that we were privileged to meet. How are we doing? What's our status here? We, we're kind of holding steady as, as we have been. We're seeing, we see a few spikes in the numbers, and I was looking at some of the, the data that just came out, and I, what happens is we start seeing spikes at the beginning of the month when the recording comes in in terms of how many cases that they've been looking at over for the whole course of the month. So we see a couple of few spikes, but for the most part here in Coachella, I think we're just over 700. Um, I checked the day before yesterday. I mean, yesterday was insane. Um, so we're still holding steady. We're doing okay. I think we're starting to see a, a downhill movement, especially in the number of new cases. We did see a little bit of a spike over the weekend as well. Um, I'm keeping a close eye on that. Again, I'm, I'm considering that as a spike in the number of testing plus, you know, the end of the month and they're looking to see how many cases are out there, but it's a spike and I'm, I'm hoping that's not due to uh, people breaking the rules. Just because numbers go up, it doesn't necessarily mean the number of cases are going up. In some exactly. ways, it actually could be a good thing because it might mean that testing is getting better. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, the reporting is getting a little is coming in. So there's a little bit of lag in the reporting in terms of how many cases are out there. So we see little blips that you see towards uh, the beginning of the month. That's what's happening. Gotcha. So if we see big spikes, then then there's cause to be concerned. If this continues over several days, that that's not a reporting error. That's more likely. Yeah, we're seeing a big increase in cases. But and I have one other I'm not brain- seeing it. Um, I have one other burning question for you. Is it possible this was caused by a flu vaccine gone wrong that was given to people in 2013 through 2015? That's the latest conspiracy theory. You're on to us. What can I say? Yeah, that and we're hiding. Doctors are hiding the cure for cancer. I've heard that one too. 
Um, you know, we're keeping these things to ourselves. We're, we're trying to deliberately get people addicted to medications just to pad our own pockets. So they're, they're running rampant. Um, there's the conspiracy theories are, are flying this week. I, you know, I talked a little bit about them last week and there's new ones this week. There's a, a great rant by, do you guys ever watch Dr. Z dog? I don't know. He's a, he's a physician. He does his own podcast and he's kind of funny. He's like, I'm not going to even do more than dignify this with a brief response. But in other words, the, the current latest thing is it's like, it's, it's all bullshit. And you think you guys spend, and it's true. People spend hours researching every little symptom and they yeah. come into me with reams of paper with, this is what I found about what's wrong with me, but they can't spend five minutes Googling whatever viral thing is online to find out these people are, or, or cuckoo. So yeah. I'm curious, is Snopes able to keep up with it? <laughs> like I always go so. to Snopes first, but I bet they can't even keep up with what's happening. It's hard. They, I, they have been I doing a pretty good job. Can. Oh, they oh, have? Have you been going to them as a resource? I actually only really go to them when I get into Facebook arguments, which I very rarely do because they're pointless. Right. Um, but I've actually been impressed yes. with some of the stuff they've been doing, and Reuters has been doing some stuff. Um, Facebook is actually trying to find fact checkers uh, to help fact check things. So there's actually a lot of work going into fact checking. But as I put in my Daily Digest yesterday, you cannot cons convince a conspiracy theorist they're wrong. It's just an impossible thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Snopes, has, Snopes has been really busy with murder hornets. <laughs> and the is, everything about them is true somebody sent me a picture of a shark pigeon <laughs> i sent it to dr rush yesterday and said i think they eat hornet you know murder bees i had i had to put that on facebook because i was crying i was laughing so hard oh my god so that it's, it's just that's the thing it's you know what's next what plague is going to be you know, unleashed upon us next it's like we should probably stop asking for it right yeah Forgive me, I think I'm having a delay in getting stuff, so I don't mean to speak over anyone, but I'm remembering, Laura, when we did the very first of this with you was, I think, late March, mid-late March, and in mid-late March, your brainiac butt was saying, I think this is going to resolve itself in June. I think we may be in our houses through May, and you said that in March. So are you feeling yeah. good about your prediction about now? <laughs> I'm well, not. I was hoping I'd be wrong. <laughs> I was hoping I'd be wrong. Uh, you know, I know Dr. Cameron Kaiser is is still trying to keep you know some of these things in place until mid June anyway. And right now we're sort of up against the protesters and the people that you know the unemployment rate in the country is, is still it's like another what's three was it three million? Yeah, three point two million for unemployment yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, we're fighting against that and people are just, just getting anxious to get back to work and, and kind of losing their minds about it. And it's, it's hard not to feel sympathy for these people that really just like, look, we'll take our chances and are willing to believe what, whatever it is they need to believe to, to force people to go back to work. And it's hard. Um, it's going to be hard to do, especially with the summer with nicer weather. I mean, here it's hot, right? We're, we're like, let's just go in the pool and stay home. But right. in other places, they, you know, kids want to be out. They want to go do things, and families want to take vacations. So it, we're up against that. We're up against all of those emotions. And it's, you know, asking people to sit tight for another month is, is a hard ask. 
You know, they've changed the uh, 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 suggested and requested requirements for some of the public uh, spaces. Um, and I had no idea the pickleball lobby was so um, <laughs> was so powerful. Those are serious people because they they're 70 year olds who are still jocks. Yeah. So they know how to bitch and they know how to serve, you know. Um, and also with uh, they, they've got a lot of money through. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, they relax those uh, yeah, requirements for pools uh, for public spaces. Like in my apartment complex, it was supposed to be one person in the pool. And crazy. I talked to the manager yeah. and I said, did you open the pool? He goes, yeah, we did for about a minute. And then there were like eight people in it. And he said, we had to close it down. And so now they say you can have six feet of distance and people from the same household can be in the pool. Yeah. And, that just came out yesterday. So my pool's eight yeah. feet deep. Does that mean that I can be at the surface and somebody can be at the bottom of the pool? Only if Always they live with you, the top. I swear. Only if they live with you. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I had a water aerobics class uh, with four of us on Wednesday, and I have a 32-foot pool by 15 feet. And all four of us took a corner, and we finally did it. And uh, it felt amazing to talk to somebody and be around somebody for more than a delivery. Yep. But we were all still chicken. I mean, they came in the side gate. They brought their own drinks. We didn't come near each other. We kept our masks on until we got in the pool. Um, so there, I mean, it is that time where you're starting to think everything is going to open. I need to start learning how to do this without jeopardizing myself or anybody. But we all still left feeling should we have done that? Yep. And then we've got the rest of the country you know that is really just, you know, uh, opening up and, you know, they don't, they're not wearing masks. They're I'm not, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about us. Yeah, I know. I know. I, 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 I do. I'm just saying if they're not even trying. Right. But you know, it really was, it was, it was leadership in, in our communities, uh, especially, and I'll give our mayor, Jeff Coors, a lot of credit and the city. Um, and it was, you know, some, some work at the county level, obviously, and then certainly the state level, that this became our new normal. It became okay for us to be, you know, we, we expected that we should be wearing face masks at the grocery store and out and about. And so it wasn't that um, this was like a foreign concept to us. It just became the norm. Everybody had a mask in 48 hours, like, and a cool one. Like, <laughs> I'm amazed at what we can do. Those people who put their minds to it did it with determination and care and respect for other people and panache. We did, you know, I, I was reading an article earlier this morning, and they were talking about how they had such high projections, you know, because Riverside has one of the highest, Riverside County, it's one of the highest numbers of COVID cases in the state of California. And I think Coachella has about 15% of what of Riverside's cases. And they kept ex expecting worse case scenarios for us. And we actually came out doing relatively well because everyone got on board very quickly. So out here, we res responded very, very nicely. Well, I should say, especially in Palm Springs, you know, we're still seeing an increase in cases out in, in Coachella and where there's more um, socioeconomic disadvantaged, pay, you know, people living out there trying to increase testing out there, but they're still getting hit kind of hard. But overall for Coachella, I think we did really, really well because everyone got on board with this plan and, and stuck to it. Down in Coachella, they're busy going to work so that we can eat stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
So can you tell us so a little bit about Go. I was going to say, we're still seeing a rise in, in cases out there. Yeah. So uh, for a little bit of vaccine talk, I mean, I, I imagine the other three of you who are not Dr. Rush are watching nearly as much news as I am. Oh, yeah. I'm torturing <laughs> myself. I've seen every show on every network, but I can only handle 20 minutes. And then even Rachel Maddow, I'm like, love you, bitch, gotta go. But I want to hear everybody's take on it. And what I was hearing a lot about is some of the baselines that a new vaccine would need to match. Like it can't need to be refrigerated. It can't need to, right? So, because it has to serve the world, not just us, right? It has to be manufactured very, very quickly. Yeah, they have to be able to manufacture it and disperse it very, very quickly and then get it to people. So a lot of challenges with that. There's a, a few companies, you know, I know Pfizer is working on, on a vaccine, you know, Kaiser was working on a vaccine. So there's quite a few places in pharmaceuticals that are working on vaccines right now. I, I am still hopeful, like I was with, you know, everything happening with COVID, that we would be through this by, you know, by June. I'm hoping we're going to see a vaccine in place by the time flu season comes around, because this is going to be very, very hard on the public and on physicians and healthcare to start differentiating, is this a flu or is this a COVID surge that we're seeing starting in August, September, when we start giving out flu vaccines? Well, and I don't so even understand. At the very like, least, we're going to... Can a bunch of people go ahead and just put out their vaccine if there is no, you know, upper presidential kind of here's the vaccine, will we be looking at 10 vaccines in 10 areas or what? You might be. I mean, it's it's an open market. So it's, you know, when, when medications come out, there are a lot of manufacturers for like blood pressure medications and stuff. So if everyone's going to be having their own version of a vaccine, it has to make meet certain standards. But if they can get it to market, sure. And then it's a question of, of marketing and bringing those vaccines that are approved and that can serve a population and, you know, so, you know get them out there and to the people that need them as soon as possible. But we got to get the flu vaccine. I'm, you know, I'm concerned about people getting the flu vaccine this year because you don't want to be getting sick. Mm. And is this COVID? Is this flu? Is this something else? And, you know, putting these measures back into place right away and let's keeping, keeping the flu down. And I'm hoping if people remember, put on your mask, do your social distancing, stay at home when you need to, avoid going out if you even have a sniffle or a cough and not spreading the flu, which, as we know, kills a lot of people as well. But I'm more worried about differentiating between COVID and flu starting in September, October, November, when it starts coming back around again. And that's going to be pretty scary for a lot of people because that is cold and flu season. So, I mean, every morning you wake yeah, up with a scratch in your throat, you think you've got, got it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they're saying testing, yeah, then you come testing, tracing, tracing, tracing. Um, if that happens, that doesn't mean that, that, that people are not going to get COVID. No. So, so what is the, no, what the, the contact do? tracing. It, it's they're just trying to really prevent the spread. So if they have to employ a lot of people, the state of California was talking about hiring up to 10,000 people to do contact tracing. They need to be trained and it's not just a day training. They need to understand epidemiology. They need to understand the disease process, mm -hmm. how to approach people appropriately and, and talk to them uh, to gain their trust, understand HIPAA violations. 
and and get them out there. I, the last number I saw was I think for for Riverside we needed at least two thousand people trained in contact tracing if they're going to do an effective job. And on top of that, you needed a way to access the data, to to record the data, and to bring all of that in. Those things were not in place. The last time I checked, there was no specific system in place to do that kind of extensive contact tracing. But I know uh, they need to be working on that right about now. And yeah, hiring people to get out there and do it and get the training done, you know, to prevent this down down the road. It's and you have to get buy-in from everybody else. So people are, you know, you see, well, we just talked about with these conspiracy theories and people going and having to give up data on where and who they came in contact with is not going to be an easy ask either. That's the scary thing about contract tracing is people have to cooperate with it. Yeah. If they don't, it doesn't exactly. work. So Jimmy, I, I set Jimmy's investigative reporter skills on my question of, I'm unemployed now. Can I go be a contact tracer? And uh, he came back with a couple of answers about, do, would you like to speak to that? Well, the state is um, trying to convert a lot of uh, state employees into doing that. And then ultimately it's going to come down to the counties. And um, I haven't seen anything specific that Riverside County is doing. I know that Emmanuel Perez the other day talked about getting them up, getting them up and going. And so I actually recommended to Shan that she actually call uh, the county health department and find out what they're doing. Um, I found that San Diego at one point had placed the, this county of San Diego had placed an ad for contact tracers that on the government jobs website. They actually had to take down because they had such an overwhelming response. Yeah. So that's good. You see that as well. Yeah. Yep. So who knows? It remains to be seen, and you know if, whether they get it up and running by the time this thing starts to really decline. Um, I we'll see. We'll see. But like I said earlier, it, the, the bigger issue is going to be the buy-in, you know, from people and whether they're going to be honest in terms of who they've come in contact with and where they were. So, Dr. Rush, the so state is – sorry. The state is going to start the very teeny, tiny little steps towards reopening tomorrow with retail being allowed to do curbside pickup. Um, yeah. We'll get more from Governor Newsom today about, you know, if gatherings of five people, for example, you rule breaker Shankar, if gatherings of five What's people are allowed. Well, technically, it's a stay-at-home order right now, so you're oh, a lawbreaker, yeah. and I don't want to hear from you anymore. I'm kidding, of course. But, um, but no, seriously, <laughs> we're starting the steps of towards reopening. There's talk that, you know, retail within a couple of weeks might be allowed to let some people into stores. You know, the next step is going to be possibly having restaurants with 50% of capacity or whatever. Do you think that um, as a state and specifically the Coachella Valley, do you think we're ready? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I want to say no, not yet. I, I think a little bit longer just because we have such a vulnerable population out here. If this was anywhere else, I would say maybe. Um, or maybe go a little bit more slowly, just a few more weeks to, you know, get us through May at yeah. the very least. Um, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, flat, not a whole lot of new case growth out here. And I think that's really what's driving it out here in Coachella. Um, people are going to have to use good judgment. They really are. And they're going to have to still maintain that safe distance. They're going to still should really be wearing masks. If they are immune compromised, they're going to really have to think hard about how they want to engage and, and go forward so early on into this. So it, it's tough. I, I just sent my parents home back to Connecticut. They oh, left two days ago. They went? And yeah, they're gone. They, they were here for six months and they had four flights canceled. They must be and so happy. I'm 
<laughs> I think they're happy to be in their own space finally um, and not be surrounded by my savage dogs. But, uh, you know, I'm really worried about them because they're going into an area, you know, in Connecticut, New York, where my family is, where it's still an issue. And I'm like, go home, wash everything and don't you dare go out. You know, I, I can't, I can't keep an eye on them and I can't rule with an iron fist anymore. Um, and so I'm, I'm worried about that because, you know, things are moving very quickly and, and we're up against uh, all of these people that are, are fighting the stay at home orders and the protesters. And it's, it's hard. And I, th I think a lot of this is just kind of giving in and, and for fear of what's, what's going to happen if these people really protest too much. So I think we're making, um, an effort to just sort of appease them a little bit. I think that's part of it. So I, I don't think we're hundred percent ready, but I, I think they're having to weigh a lot of options in terms of we're not ready, but how much more can we really hold off? Right. So, so there is the opening up of things and then there's people being comfortable enough to go back to stores, bars, and restaurants. And I read an article where in some places where things have opened up, business has not come back to those businesses. Uh, because people are are um, still afraid. And I was on a call yesterday for National Travel and Tourism Week with the CVB, and they're looking at this much more long term. They've done research. Um, they, you know, they have a they have a feeling based on what happened in 2001 during the downturn, for example. And they're they're going to do things in four phases, um, and they believe that people will um, at first there will be like the staycation. So before you vacation, you staycation. That would be people, maybe even locals going out and staying at a resort or a hotel to get away. That, that's a phase that they're talking about. The second phase is a, a, a campaign they're doing uh, calling all Californians. So that would allow us within the state to travel back and forth. And, you know, if you're in L.A. coming out to Palm Springs, Palm Springs, maybe we go to L.A. or San Diego. The third one, um, they will then start marketing to the Western markets, and it'll the uh, the the campaign is called California Calling. So it's the Western states where people will feel regionally that it's okay from a Phoenix or a Utah, et cetera. And then finally, the last phase is um, all dreams always welcome, but they're not, and that's everybody coming back, but they're actually not thinking that that is going to happen now until next spring. So the travel and tourism business is being, I think, realistic about this, looking at those phases and, and really kind of saying, it's gonna be a while before people are really comfortable uh, coming back out uh, to Palm Springs from Connecticut, et cetera. Hey, Brad, I, you're tied into the business community and you're a guy who's got numbers and statistics. How much of our, our local business is dependent upon people who are employed? In I'm not I'm not following. Well, I mean, the you know, like going out to like going out to do, to buy things retail right now, like new outfits and things. It's just yeah. not on my. It's not going to be on my calendar as a right. Right. If you right, if the unemployment rate's really high. But, but there are still people that will have means and have a job because the unemployment rate is not over 50%. It's, you know, it's going to be high. But those people will be able to do things. And those are kind of the phases for those people who will be traveling. This isn't talking about retail coming back or restaurants coming back. It's talking about really how comfortable people are in traveling 
A, within their region, you know, first in their home territory, then in the region, then in the state, and then throughout the entire country. Okay. Those sound like very reasonable metered approaches. Yeah, I, I think so got too. to the next phase. I expected to worry, and I felt like, well, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I've not, nothing against your folks in Connecticut or our friends in New York, but, yeah. I, you know, if we got everybody who was within a four-hour drive of Palm Springs to, to come and have a, a vacation here, that's zillions of people. Uh, I'm not sure I want to, you know, have people coming yeah. from hot spots. Yeah, I don't want the L.A. people it's closer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Although in our condo complex, the, one of our neighbors had people in from Seattle last weekend mm -hmm. to use their place. Yeah. Thought it was a I good have idea. to say the airline thing and the cruise ship thing and all of that is going to affect everything I can even dream up to do later. I mean, yeah. I have such a, but the idea that the middle seat is gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's on my list of embrace the change. I'm trying to figure out which of the things that I've changed that are good that we would like to cling to and screw and get out that middle seat. <laughs> I've talked to. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it bounces back quickly. I, I, I really do. I, I but I think you're right. I think it's going to be slow coming back here. I'd be curious to see um, how. Coachella response to this in this next year and how many people choose to not come back for things like, you know, for pride and for modernism week and the film festival. If yeah. people elect to not come back, we'll see what the snowbird, you know, if there's a drop off in the number of snowbirds that come in. Well, let's so see we, if these events are even allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've already lost leather pride um, yeah. at the end of October and um, there are rumblings of many more events going away between now and then that we haven't confirmed yet. Uh, DHS took care of their, they canceled their pride a while ago as well. But, you know, we've got a lot of things, and Gay Wine Weekend uh, uh, canceled in the, mm -hmm. since we were last on the air. Well, um, and we canceled, we postponed uh, Harvey Milk, which is now scheduled for July 11th, and we're teetering on the cliff but again we're making our decisions based on what the city council says and yeah, what their recommendation yeah. is yeah. we're not just going we need the money yeah and, and we do need the money we know that yeah. they'll be talking about a lot of these uh, things tonight at the city council meeting yeah indeed they will i do have one last question for you a couple of weeks ago i was feeling kind of down and you were optimistic you said you thought something was going to come along a treatment was going to come along gosh darn it we're gonna get through this and you really you really helped my mood. Are you still optimistic? I am very optimistic, yeah, I am. I am, I, I, I see there's less panic um, and less fear in the eyes of, of my colleagues and the eyes of the people that are making some of these big decisions. I see things being relaxed a little bit. So a lot of sphincters are being you know unpuckered just a little bit. So that, that gives me hope. I'm doing a lot of body reading and, you know, body language reading. So I think we're doing, we're going to be okay, especially out here. Um, like I said, the articles I read this morning saying they expected far worse, especially in Coachella. And we came in far under where the worst case scenario. So I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed still. I'm still practicing good, you know, safe distancing. And we just implemented video appointments for, uh, for my patients now. And that's going to be a mainstay for us. We're going to continue to do that. And 
try and keep people out of waiting rooms. So a lot of behavioral changes I think are going to be good, and um, but I'm positive. I, 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 I am positive. All right, Dr. Laura Rush, you, um, you've do, done a great job on the podcast, and um, we'll uh, get a sphincter reading next week from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here. We'll do the sphincter reading. <laughs> sphincter check. Thank you so much. Thanks, honey. Bye. You guys have a good morning. So, Jimmy Bogle, I love, 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 love you, and I actually got to uh, get... The, the coloring book yesterday. I'm so excited. It's so beautiful. One of my friends actually did this page. Oh, no. I adore, but everything inside of it is beautiful, and it raises funds for Create Center and yes. you and the artists. And can you tell us a little about this? Yes. Um, it's Coloring the Coachella Valley. Um, what we did is we partnered with Deborah and Mom over at the Create Center and put out a call to artists, and we had 13 artists that participated. They actually sent in original works of art for this. And uh, for the rest of them, we actually converted CV-independent file photos to the, you know, to give it more of a local feel of, you know, someone playing tennis from the tennis tournament, um, you know, some concert shots, a splash house shot of a bunch of people posing in front of the photo. Um, and basically what it is, is it's, is a third of the proceeds will go to the CV independent to support local journalism. Um, a third of it will go to the Create Center for the Arts and what they're doing is amazing out there. They're, um, actually harnessing the power of their 3D printer and other 3D printers to pr make PPE equipment, face shields and stuff for local medical people who need it. And then the other third goes to the 13 artists that participated. Great. And uh, we've sold we've sold a fair amount of them. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to the UPS store in Desert Hot Springs. They gave us an amazing deal on printing. And I think it turned out fantastic. I just I so happen to have my copy right here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very glad of the job they did. And um, if it sells well enough, maybe we'll do a volume two here soon. So, right. Jimmy, you know that I'm a woohoo uh, bargain hunter at the back of Ralph's, right? Yes, you are. Right? That's, that's something that, that's my, that's a hallmark of my life. And um, about a year, year and a half ago, there they were, the 64 Crayola crayons on closeout. Get out! So they're, no, I swear, and I haven't touched them since, and now I've got a use for my 64 Crayola crayons with a little crank sharpener in the back. I love those. Fantastic. So I want to see. I want to see a page of this colored by you next week. I will. I promise. I vow that I will have one colored with my sixty-four crayon Crayola crayons, and I'll see how many of them I can use in one one page. That could be trippy. <laughs> Burnt umber. I love Burnt umber. umber. Yeah. Um, so you go to cvindependent.com and you can uh, find out where to order that. Uh, yep. You'll see the coloring book on the front page, just click it and you can order it there. It's $20 for the digital download or $30 for the digital download plus the uh, printed copy. Fabulous. Yeah. And, and you are on newsstand with the CV Independent. It's uh, available at uh, Albertsons. Albertsons, a bunch of AMPM stores. Um, look for our, we, what we affectionately call our ugly orange boxes, like the ones outside of Sherman's and stuff like that. Obviously, a lot of places are closed that um, that carry us, but we're hoping by our June edition we'll be closer and closer to our um, 
full circulation. And um, I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work that my writers have been doing through this. Um, this is not an easy thing to cover. And even the writers that don't necessarily, aren't necessarily covering, you know, the coronavirus and what that's doing, this has affected everyone. I mean, you know, my wine columnist is like, how do I write about pairing wine with food during this time? Because it's so weird. And I'm like, well, a lot of people are home drinking wine and pairing it with food. So go for it. And so I think they've done a fantastic job, and uh, thank you for your kind words. And uh, go to cdindependent.com and check it all out. Is there a wine that goes well with Cheetos? I mean, is there a no? I'm oh, you know what? Uh, her name is Katie Finn. She's at the Desert Wine Shop on 111. I bet you Katie is so amazing. She's a sommelier. She could find the perfect wine for your Cheetos, Shan. Okay. I'll actually uh, email her and, and get the answer for that for you very soon. <laughs> I bet you will too. I'm really to pair Cheetos with wine. You only get that on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. I will say though that bourbon goes with everything. It really does. It does. You and I have agreed on that, Jimmy. Definitely. Hey, um, just a couple of reminders. These are the latest face covering and social distancing for Riverside County. You need a fa face mask covering. And in public, standing in line to shop, shopping in a store, picking up food at a restaurant, working at an essential job that interacts with the public. We shouldn't need to say this, but we do because people are doing it. Now, you do not need it when you are at home or in your car alone or uh, with members of your household. So I see a lot of people in their cars with the masks on. No, just take it off. Take right. it all off. Um, walking, running, hiking, or biking outdoors, you do not need a face covering as long as you're social distancing and playing golf, of course, because we got the golf. But, but you do need to have one with you in case you come across someone in right. cats. Correct. Because you will. Your mask at home, even if you're going to be out jogging. Yeah, always take your mask. If you're coming across anyone, you've got to take it with you. What about pickleball? Pickleball. Yes. Have your mask for pickleball. They're only allowing singles in pickleball if they approve that. Seriously, you can't play doubles because you okay, can't. Okay, all right, because you will inevitably. Okay, you're right. So how many times have you gotten out of your car to go somewhere and had to turn right back around to get your mask? I know. A bunch yeah. of times. Yeah. I smiled at somebody. I went, oh, my God, I smiled. Turn around. Go back. Your mask. So. Yep. So but, do, you have, do you have anything else, Brad, that you wanted to th uh, throw in? Well, you know, I, just that um, there's, you know, there's a lot of hope in the travel industry. I sat in on that call yesterday and, um, you know, restaurant week, we're looking at moving that uh, late into the fall. Um, there is research saying that people will uh, return to um, flying in and driving into Palm Springs once this subsides. So yeah. there, there is definitely some good signs um, that, when we are able to, the comeback should be relatively strong. It will take a while, as I said, they're not really gonna market to the places way far and away until uh, next spring. So it, it's gonna be the rest of this year before anyone's comfortable, I think, traveling too far. But uh, up until then, we'll rely on our friends around the area, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, Long Beach, Phoenix, et cetera. We're ready when we're ready. Yeah. I don't even know. Uh, even when we're ready, we're still going to have some fear in our heart. It's going to be a little hard, I think. I've been chatting well, with a lot of people in the real estate industry, you included, Shan, about, you know, the possibility of my mom moving here because, you know, she, being on the East Coast, she wanted to be closer. And 
Is there anything that, that you guys are hearing about the real estate um, industry right now? What, when will that be out of flux? Well, I just got the Palm Springs, um, the Coachella Valley real estate report. And uh, it, every graph is a total limp penis at this point. It just, a nosedive. Actually, our office was 73% down on opened escrows in April, or in, in April, yeah. So uh, people are a little bit nervous, but some stuff is still going. Stuff, you know, I think there's a lot of people sniffing around trying to find a deal and waiting for that. They're waiting to look for that little, because we all watched people make money in the 2008 crash by buying a house at the right time. So I have a handful of clients. I bought my house for 126, okay, in Palm South Palm Springs wow. in 2010. So, right, there's, it's just the, the dip back up or the bottom isn't here. Yep. It's not here. I was talking to a realtor who said that they were really busy with uh, people looking for second homes, people that wanted to be in a hot climate and less population density. So it is the people who can afford to buy a second home who are still buying. The people who, and they almost know they'll probably lose a little money on it, but they're offering really low ball deals to begin with. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not so much a bargain hunter's market at the low end as it is a good time to buy for somebody who can afford a second home that's nice. You know, I think one of the, the, the um, takeaways that I've had this last week, and I've had it on my screen and I've been reading parts of it and rereading, is an article from The Atlantic. And Jimmy, I'm not sure if you shared this one yet. This is the one on um, what it's going to look like. It's called um, The Pandemic Will Change America Retail Forever. Just yep. today, Neiman Marcus went into bankruptcy, the first yep. corporation, the first major corporation. Um, you know, the, uh, I, unfortunately, some of the big box retailers and the, you know, the chain restaurants, short term, they're actually going to do better yep. than some of our local uh, restaurants and our local businesses. And, you know, already we're seeing some for rent signs up in downtown Palm Springs and in Rancho Mirage and Palm Desert. Uh, El Paseo had already had some some issues. Um, so I think, you know, we're going to go through some tough times from a retail standpoint and from a restaurant. Uh, and uh, maybe hotels will come back first because people will be able to stay there. I don't know what the requirements will be, but certainly this is it's concerning. Um, you know, one of the things even in big cities uh, you know, we're going to see fewer people, um, so less dense big cities. And probably in the short term and medium term, that's actually a good thing. We're going to just kind of spread out a little bit. Um, Jimmy, did you read that article? And any? Yes, I did. I, I did link to it. I'm trying to find an article right now um, that the California Restaurant Association is estimating that this is going to kill off 30% of all the restaurants in the state yeah um now a lot of restaurants close anyway it's a volatile market and this this estimate was over a month ago and i've actually seen estimates of that higher okay. i mean and that's the same thing for all small businesses the in the newspaper world the alternative weekly in jacksonville florida of all places just closed down this is going to rip a hole into so many small businesses even the ones that are holding on right now because even you know Tomorrow is just the start of the teeny tiniest bit of reopening. 
and it's going to be a process. And even if everything goes smoothly, this is still going to take many, many months. And a lot of businesses just aren't going to survive it. And if you throw in the possibility of a resurgence of this virus, or, you know, even if it doesn't goes okay through the summer, it comes back in the fall, like a lot of people are predicting. This is a scary time for anyone who owns a business, as, as Brad and I will tell you. And it's devastating. And the thing is that we all have, if the one thing that we can do, the one thing that we can do is if you can afford it, support your local small businesses, buy gift mm-hmm. cards, get takeout. Once um, the stores are open for, um, tomorrow or whenever that is for curbside pickup, go to the local ones, you know, go to, you know, instead of going to um, cost plus world market, go to Wabi Sabi if it's something they've got and support your local businesses because that's what is going to get as many of them through this as they can, because a lot of them aren't going to make it. This is unlike anything this country has seen in 102 years and we need to support each other. We really and on that note, maybe we should do our uh, takeout shout outs for our local restaurants that are offering curbside and delivery. And I'm going to start, and I said it before in an earlier version of takeout shout outs, but I have to say Michael Holmes Purple Room, to be able to have dinner, I, yeah, it was just so good. And it was, uh, I had steak and and salad and dessert and for um, two people at $49, just fabulous. And it was delicious. And I'll second that. Garrett and I got, uh, we've gotten Purple Room a bunch of times. Uh, we actually, uh, for on Tuesday, um, we we got the Purple Room. I got the short rib. Garrett got their um, shrimp scampi uh, wedge salad and then the apple um, apple tart crisp. What is it called? For dessert. So good. So very, very good. So what happened to Taco Tuesday? Special. What you didn't you didn't do the uh, the Mexican food special on Tuesday? I did not. I yeah. normally would do a Rio Azul, but um, you know it was the DAP was asking people who participate normally in dining yeah. out for life to support them, and uh, even though Rio Azul definitely does, we decided to give our support to the Purple Room, um, and they were it was a lovely thing. To me, Brad, every day is Taco Tuesday in my heart. So <laughs> I. You know, it's Mother's Day weekend, and a lot of restaurants are um, are doing some special menus. Cousteau in Palm Desert is one that I wanted to give a shout out to because we because we tend to be in Palm Springs. We see our local restaurant tours. We tend to sometimes forget about some of the restaurants in the other parts of the valley, um, and the, so that's one that I wanted to give a shout out to. They've got a special menu for Mother's Day, um, as does Johannes downtown Palm Springs. He's doing some. Special schnitzel for the Mother's Day. I actually, last week's uh, shout out was a restaurant with a a person's name. Yeah. So I want to say how amazing it was. I got John's uh, Greek, uh, Greek salad. And it is like a two or three meal. It's like the size of a pickup truck bed. (laughs) And olives and feta and all that amazing Greek stuff that turns me on. So shout out to John's for a salad for two for the price of one. Excellent. And I've actually got two. Um, Trio is, they're not actually doing regular takeout. But uh, Tony over there has started doing um, some special meals, and they're actually doing a Mother's Day package for $39. You can pre-order, and you'll get um, basically, uh, uh, I believe it's a three-item on three, three-course entree as well. Um, the other place I want to shout out isn't for Mother's Day. Uh, I've, I've shouted them out before, but um, Shabu Shabu Zen in Rancho Mirage. 
Um, we got their ramen the other day, and the way Miho does it, the owner, is she will give you everything separately. You know, this is the broth, this is the, these are the noodles, this is the, the pork, and give you detailed instructions on how to recreate it at home. It's a little bit of work. I believe it was only $14, and um, it, was, it was close with the, the, the ramen that I got at the pop-ups that the Wabi Sabi guys do, oh. but it was... I'm not going to say it was the best ramen I've had in the Valley, but it's either one or two with them. It was so amazingly good. And um, it's, I, I, you know, speaking of non-Palm Springs places, I can't recommend Shabu Shabu Zen enough. Good. Well, you had me at ramen. You lost me at it's a little bit of work. Uh, real quick also, uh, Lulu's got something going on, as does 849 for Mother's Day. Nice. I know there are others. We have a complete list on Gay Desert Guide. We keep that updated, gaydesertguide.com where uh, we also can link over to the, um, the Greater Palm Springs Convention and Visitors Bureau. They're keeping the most accurate, but we take their information, put it on our site with all of our LGBT-friendly restaurants, and that's how you get uh, a coordinated effort in terms of where to dine uh, right now in the Greater Palm Springs area. So actually, all four of us still have our mommies. Mm -hmm. right which is pretty amazing given that we're geezers already and we still have all our mommies speak for yourself shankar <clears throat> you're right behind me girl so anyway i know you're a few paces behind me Shush, don't run it in. <laughs> the beard says otherwise i'm catching up pretty well fast. and my beard says otherwise now too unfortunately you are so. my beard no i want to give a shout out to my mother as uh, you all may, I have the most interesting, smart, dynamic, really funny mom. And given that I my birthday is May 13th, uh, every two years or every four or five years or whatever, it falls on Mother's Day. And uh, she doesn't even call my birthday my birthday. She calls it her birthing day because she did all the work. Right. I did nothing. So uh, I want to thank my mother for that snarky sense of humor that I have managed to pay the bills with over the years and wish her a happy Mother's Day. Aww. Very nice. I'd like to give a shout out to Brad Fur's mother. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Love her. <laughs> love her. Willow, love her. Willow. To my own mom who has decided after all of these years of being an East Coaster, Maybe it's time I live a little closer to family. <laughs> she'll, she'll be a resident, so by next Mother's Day, we'll uh, we'll be celebrating together. So. Well, and John, yours is the only mother I haven't met, so get her over here. I will. Oh, the first thing we're going to do is get her to a beauty parlor. Because she no, she's been living, you know, on her own and and isolated. You know, yes. we all need beauty parlors. Oh, a dryer. Yeah, I'll give a quick shout out to my mom, Willow, who is back in Michigan after spending uh, five or six weeks here this winter. And uh, they're doing great. And uh, uh, I couldn't ask for better parents. Hey, Willow. And I, and I will give a shout out to my mom, Linda, as well. Brad and Shan have both met her. She uh, came down um, for uh, Christmas as well yeah. with my uh, father-in-law and my now uh, stepmother-in-law. Um, they actually, Garrett's uh, mom and, or Garrett's dad and now stepmom Deb just got married. We were actually supposed to be up there the um, first weekend in April for their wedding in Reno, Nevada, but unfortunately because of this, oh, little apocalypse that we're going through right now, we weren't able to go, but they still got married. So I want to give a Mother's Day shout out to my mother, Linda, and my new stepmother-in-law, who I absolutely adore, 
uh, Deb, um, who we actually took my mom and Deb to the uh, Copa show, Lipstick, while they were here over Christmas. It was their first drag show for both of them, and they had an absolute blast. And were last I heard looking for drag shows to go to in Reno, Nevada, oh, before um, all of this collapsed. Well, good. So, God bless them. Okay, well, people out there, what do you think, John? I think we're, uh, it's almost a wrap for this edition of the I Love <laughs> Palm Springs podcast. Next week, we're thinking about maybe doing a clothing optional edition. I'm only here if all of you opt for clothing. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Come on. Well, you, you've got, you, you, you were wearing your pool, basically, Shan. That's, I know, that's, but you, you could just show your shoulders. I don't want people overcome with lust. It's a problem. <laughs> I see your point. I got that out with a straight face. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of which, I do have a new article about bears uh, coming out on our website in the next couple of days. I will be looking for that. I'm sure. Me too. <laughs> All right, well, we love you guys. Socially uh, distant as you are, but uh, you're in my heart. That's for sure. Thank Bye, Paul. We love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Like us on Facebook at I Love Gay Palm Springs and on the homepage of GayDesertGuide.com.